Hey guys, Julie here from Snow Day Productions. I want to give an appreciative shout out to one of our earliest and most enthusiastic sponsors. The University of Akron is proud to support the Akron Adventures podcast. The University of Akron, committed to building a strong and educated community in Northeast Ohio and beyond. Learn more at uakron.edu slash discover. Snow Day Productions presents Thief in the Night, Episode 2. Lisa! Maya shouted, over here! The kids sitting at nearby tables turned to stare at Lisa as she walked to the door of the mess hall. Seriously? Lisa hissed as she quickly sat beside Maya on the rough wooden bench. After Maya had scooted over so far, she almost pushed Henry off the end. Hey! Henry protested, nearly dropping his sandwich, but Maya ignored him. You said to give you five minutes and to go get our sandwiches without you, but Lise, you have to tell us what happened last year. It's been like 15 minutes. Lisa looked around the mess hall, filled with kids sitting at two long rows of four end-to-end wooden picnic tables. Some were eating their sandwiches, but a lot of them were staring at her and laughing, or whispering to others. And who could blame them after the entrance she just made? They were off the bus not 10 minutes before she fell all over her own luggage in front of the entire camp. She glanced toward the screen door, as if considering the possibility of escape. But it was fully dark outside now, and all she could see was, well, nothing. Just black. Maya, she doesn't have to tell us if she doesn't want to, said Reggie quietly from across the table. Whatever happened last year, I say just let it die down and people will forget about it, said Henry, leaning forward and peering at Lisa around Maya. Doubtful, said Jessica, sitting next to Reggie. I mean, sorry, but it's all anybody's talking about. I don't think people are going to forget about it. If I was you, said Maya, I'd just shrug and tell everybody what happened like it was NBD. Laugh at yourself first before anyone else can, and then it's over. She has a point, said Reggie. You might want to just get it over with. Lisa looked down at her hands, clutched tightly in her lap. Yeah, maybe, she mumbled. They all waited quietly. Maya, Henry, Reggie, Jessica, and Mason, who'd said nothing because he'd been continuously shoving cereal into his mouth. There was a drop of milk on his chin that quivered, ready to fall any second. (sighs) Fine. She looked up and everyone at the table leaned in. Last year on the second day of camp, we had crafts in the afternoon. I, I got some glue on my hands and didn't know it. And I guess I touched my face and then... Well, there was open glitter everywhere, and I might have sneezed. That doesn't sound so bad, said Maya. Who hasn't accidentally gotten a bunch of random stuff stuck to them? We've all been there. Oh, she's not even close to being done, said a voice behind Henry. It was Cynthia. She crossed her arms over her chest and smiled down at Lisa. Continue. She wanted to run, but Lisa thought Maya and Reggie were probably right. She should just get it over with. Well, there was glue on my forehead, and a piece of tissue paper got stuck in it, 
And I got up to go to the showers and get all of it off, the glue, the glitter, the purple tissue paper. The feathers, Cynthia added. What? There were feathers, she said when Reggie frowned at her. Yeah, anyway, Lisa continued. I was walking and the tissue paper sort of flapped over my eye and I couldn't really see for a minute. And the next thing I knew, I tripped on something. A stack of firewood, said Cynthia. And the logs rolled and I stumbled into the lean-to we'd built that morning. And the whole thing fell backwards and crashed into the canoe stand. And when those fell over, they knocked the water tank off its legs. And, well, the tank broke open and flooded the campfire circle. Stunned by the story, everyone just looked at Lisa. Even Reggie didn't know what to say. Sounds awful, Mason said after an awkwardly long pause, his voice sympathetic. He pointed at his leg brace. But honestly, even with this, I've never come close to that level of destruction. That is clearly the most awesome chain of events ever, said Maya with a huge grin on her face. Seriously, Lise, you'd be famous on YouTube if you had that on video. You get that that's my worst nightmare, right? Lisa said. You left out the part where we only had bottled water for three days and nobody could shower said Cynthia, who now stood in a small crowd. It seemed as though every kid in the mess hall had gotten up from their tables and gathered around. Yes, thank you, Cynthia, said Reggie. Now that everyone knows the story, maybe we can focus on other things? Reggie looked pointedly at the other kids until they wandered back to their tables and got back to the important business of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Lisa, however, wanted nothing more than to be alone now that she was no longer the center of attention. Thankfully, given how late it was, they'd all be in bed soon, and she could crawl under her covers and hide from everyone. Good morning, critters! In five minutes, the mess hall opens for breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Eat up, because we have a critter-tastic day ahead of us. Bring your positive energy! Lisa kept her head down and ignored the whispers. Just get through today, she thought. She ate a few bites of scrambled egg, but she wasn't really hungry. Even the smoky smell of bacon didn't tempt her. The others were just getting started on breakfast, so she rose quietly from the bench and turned toward the door, when she was stopped by a sudden thought. There was one thing about last year that hadn't been awful. In fact, it had been extraordinary. Lisa grabbed a couple slices of toast, slid them into the pocket of her hoodie, and slipped quietly out the door. She passed the campfire circle and took a sharp left, passing the showers and bathrooms, and was soon walking in the woods. The sun was shining, and the birds were singing and flitting from tree to tree. Lisa put her hand in her pocket and began crumbling the crisp toast. She looked up suddenly when she heard them, high above her, and saw their black shapes flying over the trees. Crows. A smile broke across her face as she walked faster toward her destination. Lisa stopped in a small clearing, a sunny spot with some grass where the trees and underbrush hadn't encroached. She sank to her knees in the grass, heart beating with excitement and sensed, rather than heard, a rustling in the trees in front of her. 
She pulled out a handful of toasted crumbs and carefully made a pile of them on the ground in front of her. When she looked up, she saw perched maybe six feet away on a low-hanging branch, a very big, very black crow. It was looking right at her, head turned sideways so it could see her. Lisa looked more closely at its clawed feet hanging onto the branch and noted the slight twist of its left foot. I can't believe it. It's you, she whispered as several other crows landed on nearby branches. Lisa was thrilled the crows were still here and that the one sitting on the branch right in front of her, the one with the missing toe on its left foot, seemed unafraid of her. You remember me, don't you, girl? She said softly, staring at the crow in amazement. Its feathers were deeply, darkly black with a greenish tint in the sunlight. The crow stared back at her with two tiny, perfectly round black eyes. Lisa slowly backed away from the crumbs, moving on her hands and knees, when the crow swooped gracefully down to the crumbs. It was sleek, with seriously overgrown nails and intelligent, darting eyes. It was keeping track of her while enjoying the toast crumbs. The moment ended abruptly as Maya came dashing through the shrubbery to the left of her, startling Lisa and the crows, who flew away with a great flapping of wings, calling to each other as they took to the air. There you are, Maya said. We're about to play... Wait, why are you on the ground? I was resting, Lisa said, feeling reluctant to share the moment with anyone, even one of her best friends. Maya seemed to think that was a perfectly normal explanation. Well, come on, we're going to play soccer. Sounds great, Lisa said, getting to her feet and forcing a big, toothy smile of what she hoped looked like enthusiasm. Are you in pain? Maya asked, squinting at her in confusion. Cynthia emerged out of the trees behind Maya, saving Lisa from answering. Maya, what's the holdup? She asked before noting Lisa's presence. Oh, hey. She took in Lisa's muddy shoes and the leaves and twigs stuck to her shorts from sitting on the ground. Did you fall down again? Come on, Maya. Oh, and you should come too, Lisa. Cynthia and Maya started walking back in the direction of the camp. Lisa took one last glance over her shoulder and then reluctantly followed after them. When Lisa caught up with the rest of the campers at the athletic field behind the boys' and girls' cabins, the soccer game seemed to be on hold. Okay, gather round for a quick announcement, critters, Miss Melanie called. Jessica has misplaced her ring, and even though she wasn't supposed to bring any small valuables like jewelry, we want to help her find it. We searched my backpack and my duffel, Jessica chimed in, clearly worried. We took the sheets off my bunk. There's no sign of it. Did you maybe leave it on the bus? Mason asked. You had it out to show everyone, and it was almost dark when we got to camp. Maybe it slipped off her finger in the shower, Maya suggested. Miss Melanie's clapping broke up any further side discussion. Up here, kids, she said, pointing to her eyes and smiling. Right, so let's all keep a close critter eye out for the ring. And if you find it, give it to your counselor immediately. She paused and Lisa wondered if they were all supposed to say something. Great, Miss Melanie finally said, filling in the awkward silence herself. Let's play some soccer. Henry, Lisa, you're in, Mason shouted. 
and they both ran onto the field from the sidelines, slapping hands with Brody and Jessica, who were coming out. Lisa was relieved to be taking one of the defensive positions. She thought she'd receive the ball less often there, while Henry took his place in the midfield. The action started back up. Lisa was following the flow of the game in front of her, but some movement by the woods to her right drew her attention away. It was the crows flying over the tree line. There were maybe two dozen of them, way more than she had seen earlier, and they were flying in a smooth, uniform pattern, like a team, Lisa thought to herself, totally in sync. She was hypnotized by their smooth, choreographed movements, but suddenly realized someone was calling her name. Lisa, run! Reggie shouted, and Lisa finally turned back to the field in time to see the soccer ball rolling by just 20 feet or so in front of her. She took off running in the direction of the ball. Don't fall down, don't fall down, she thought to herself, focusing on pumping her arms like Maya had shown her. I got it, she called, and realized a second too late that Henry had the same idea. They both moved to kick the ball at the same time and collided with each other, missing the ball entirely and crashing to the ground together, limbs entangled. Oh boy. How's your, well, everything? Reggie asked as the campers all gathered around the large fire burning in the pit. They sat on logs and the chilly air and festive flames cast long shadows and an air of excitement around the circle for their first campfire. That was quite the collision you and Henry had in the game. Not enough ice in the universe, Lisa said, rubbing her shoulder and laughing. Now that the fire was going strong and the last of the dusky twilight had been replaced with an inky sky dotted with stars, the counselors began passing out marshmallows and sticks whose tips had been whittled to points in arts and crafts earlier that afternoon. Maya leaned back and said to Reggie and Lisa, who sat on the log behind hers, I'm gonna put double chocolate on my s'more. Not me, said Reggie. I am all about the marshmallows. Crispy on the outside, gooey on the inside. No need for anything else. Lisa smiled, feeling pretty good about being at camp, much to her surprise. The thick forest that pressed in around them was beautiful, even in the dark. The huge shapes of the trees, a slight sense of movement as the breeze moved the lighter limbs. The woods were watching, but it felt comforting rather than menacing. Jessica, who'd been sitting with Cynthia and Gwyneth on the other side of the fire, made her way over to Maya carrying her stick with a fat jumbo marshmallow gleaming white on the end. Did you guys hear? She asked excitedly, glancing behind Maya to include Lisa and Reggie in the conversation. Hear what? Lisa asked, suddenly anxious. Mason's watch is missing, Jessica said. Another missing item? Reggie asked. This is starting to become a pattern. You don't think someone is stealing things, do you? Lisa asked, worried. Maya shrugged her shoulders as if to say, who knows? But Gwyneth spoke up immediately from the other side of the fire. Maybe. It certainly is odd. But it's not the oddest thing that has ever happened here. What do you mean? Maya asked. Gather round, and I'll tell you what I mean. Gwyneth said, her voice low. This is an old camp, you know, and this forest has stood here for hundreds of years. My older brothers went here, and my mom too, and there are stories. What kind of stories? Reggie asked, her voice even. She was aware of all the kids drawing in closer, of Gwyneth's eyes shining in the firelight. Stories about campers who got lost in the woods, 
kids who were never found to this day. What's that got to do with Mason's watch and Jessica's ring? Reggie asked sensibly. Gwyneth looked around, then leaned in and said with all the spooky drama she could muster, Ghosts of kids from this camp, wandering the woods, never at rest, taking things, haunting the camp, and worse. Worse? asked Henry. What could be worse? Taking our snacks would be worse, Maya said matter-of-factly. Suddenly, Gwyneth was on her feet and her voice rang out in the clearing. They'll take you for one of their own if you wander far. They gather at the signal tree and strike when the fog is thick in the woods. Beware the ghosts in the fog! (coughs) Henry jumped up, shaking in the glow from the fire. Jessica, what did you do that for? I... I I thought I heard something over there, she said, pointing out into the darkness. Are you serious? said Maya through a mouthful of gooey roasted marshmallow. Gwyneth only smiled, and Jessica rejoined her on the other side of the fire. Reggie shook her head and laughed. Some people will believe anything. She stopped mid-sentence when she saw Lisa's face. I don't like that look, she said. Fine, but you two have to admit, this does have the makings of a mystery. And we do have some experience in this area. Reggie and Maya paused briefly, just as Henry joined them, sticky marshmallow goo on his chin and a spooked expression across his face. What? he asked, noting their stares. We have our next case, Lisa said. What case? he asked, totally confused. Didn't you hear? There are ghosts haunting Camp Cuyahoga, she began. And stealing the camper's stuff, Maya finished. Oh, please no, Henry said, at the same time that Reggie said excellent. Don't worry, there are no ghosts, said Lisa, her eyes sparkling in the firelight. And we're going to prove it. Akron Adventures is written and produced by Marlia Weiss, Julie Drew, and Casey Shevlin. Our theme music is written and recorded by Philip Anderson. You can hear more from him at philipandersonmusic.com. Support for Thief in the Night comes from the Akron Children's Museum, Spring Garden Waldorf School, and the University of Akron. Don't forget to subscribe to the Akron Adventures podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast app. Episodes every Thursday.